Let me tell you about an awesome event happening on February 27th. Panthers legend and Fox Sports analyst Greg Olson, along with Kara Olson, are hosting their upcoming charity event at Stake 48 to support the Hardest Yard Initiative, H-E-A-R-T, Hardest Yard Initiative, and the uh, Hardest Yard Ungala will take place 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Monday, February 27th at Charlotte Stake 48. The guest list is star-studded. They'll look forward to a cocktail reception and a three-course meal prepared by Stake 48 plus fine wine, silent auction. 100% of the donations from the event will go to the Hardest Yard program, a part of the receptions for research, which supports families of children with congenital heart disease. Who better to talk about all of that than Greg Olson himself? Greg, thank you so much for the time joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I think what stands out to me, Greg, is that TJ was born in 2012. Within a couple days, he has to undergo surgery, and more would come after that. But within a year, you guys had the Hardest Yard Initiative up and running to help children with congest- uh, congenitive uh, heart disease. Excuse me. It was so quick, Greg. Did you find it therapeutic to help other families dealing with this like yourself? Why was it so important to get started helping people right away? Yeah, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, so TJ had his first surgery, as you said, in October, you know, only on, you know, he was only two days old. And then he had his next one about five months old. So come the, you know, that off season of that, of that year, following the 2011 season, um, you know, we, we kind of, my wife and I, we felt like we'd gotten through the hard part. He was now six, seven months old or so. And we felt like, you know, all right, what, what are we going to do now? We were kind of put into this situation and we've had this calling where we can try to impact and improve the lives of people maybe who are going to have a son or daughter who's going to follow a very similar journey that our young son, um, you know, had been following, you know, early in his life. And that was really the inspiration behind the Hardest Yard. It started as a, as a private staff, uh, nurse staffing company where we would send private nurses into the homes of families following discharge from the hospital and, and provide all of that care in home and help ease the family's transition, you know, out of the walls of the hospital into their own home without ever having to worry about seeing any of those bills or any of those medical costs. And that was the, that was the inspiration. And, and just this last 10 years, we're, we're coming up on our 10 year anniversary now of starting the hardest yard. TJ just turned 10 in October. We, you know, it, it has provided us a great, you know, as you said, kind of a little therapy. It's given us an ability to kind of connect with other families that share a similar journey, um, be able to impact their lives and and just get great comfort knowing that hopefully we leave this world better than we found it. And I feel like paying that forward to families that are going to come down the road behind us um, is what a lot of families did to assure us, you know, that our son would get the care he did. And we're very fortunate to be in a position that we can provide, you know, future families even a better experience than we had. Well, I mean, Greg, it's taken off so well. Last year's inaugural event raised over $200,000. Panthers legends like Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, Jonathan Stewart, your former teammates, their families, they all get involved. Two years ago, I remember Frank Isola discussing the hardest yard during his FaceTime on Around the Horn. Like He dedicated that victory to this initiative. Did you ever think it could get this big? And what does that mean to you, watching something you helped start grow into something so wide and meaningful? Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I don't think I ever saw how big and just the, the reach that it would get. You know, we, and again, that it's such a testament to our supporters, this Charlotte community. You know, when we when we started it, we we held our first little golf outing, you know, May of 2013, and not really knowing what the future held, but we knew we had to get started somewhere. You know, raise that first dollar, and 
here we are. You know, we've raised you know well over six million dollars, and um, you know all you know the vast majority of that has all stayed right here in Charlotte. And we've been able to open up clinics, and we've been able to you know increase our increase our footprint of services that we provide, and recruit world class talent from other cities to come build out different programs here on behalf of the Hardest Yard. So it's just it's so rewarding, and 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 really at the end of the day, the reality is you know events like our Stake 48 on Gala or our golf outings or 5K, just the amount of people who continue to show up and support our foundation and our efforts alongside Levine Children's Hospital, um, you know we we never take that for granted. We're constantly reminded of just how how much this city has done for us, you know both on and off the field and. This is our way of continuing to service the community and, and families that have been very good to mine. Greg, fantastic calls, man. And just turning the pace now, talking about the Carolina Panthers. In your opinion, is Steve Wilkes the candidate that best speaks to the DNA of the this Panthers organization? Yeah, you know, I, I get asked that a lot, and, and my answer is always the same. I am admitted. I've known Steve. Uh, he was on the staff when I got drafted in Chicago. He was there for two years with me with the Bears. Um, then he went out and joined Ron out with the Chargers. And then, of course, 2012 came back. And, you know, although he never actually coached me personally, I was, I was, never, in his, I was never in his meeting room. He obviously didn't play defense. We developed a really strong personal connection. You know, we, we became friends. We became, you know, to this day. So I, I'm probably the most biased guy. I, I would love to see Steve get the job. I, I believe in him. I, I believe the work he did this year was remarkable. Um, so I, I always kind of start the whole Panthers conversation just being truthful and, and apparent and you know transparent with that because obviously Steve is a guy I've known for a long time and feel that. Having said that, I think the process needs to needs to go on, right? I think in order to be confident that you get the at the end of the day, you get the best candidate and you end up settling on the best person. I think it's just fair to everybody involved that you go through a complete and exhaustive, um, you know, hiring process. So where that shakes out, I don't know. Um, I think Steve is has the qualifications and has proven the capability as much as anybody. Um, but we all know the reality of the NFL with offensive coaches and the development of whoever this future young quarterback is. You know, that's all – that's all part of this conversation. That's not unique to Steve. That's not unique to the Carolina Panthers. That's kind of an NFL question. If you had to pinpoint a guy outside of him, though, would it would it be Sean Payton or or Greg? Is there are there too many bad memories with Sean Payton mm-hmm. for you to say that he would be a great choice for the Panthers? No, I I think you know. Listen, if they decide to go outside of the organization and 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 whatnot, again, I hope they don't. So I'm going to just preface everything I say with that conversation, but to move, just to put Steve aside for a second, you know, I, I think anytime a coach like, like Sean Payton is available, you'd be silly not to consider him. I mean, he, he's an offensive guy. He's proven that he can develop and work with different types of quarterbacks. He's, he's a proven winner, you know, Super Bowl, but also just a consistent winner, you know, throughout his career. And, and again, just because we saw it up close and personal, listen, he, he was hired at our rival to beat us. No different than every time we wanted to go out and we wanted to beat him. I don't take a lot of that personal, and I don't think our fans should take it personal either. I think, you know, just because he was at our division rival, I think all of a sudden if he ended up getting the job and won some games, I think people would be very quick to to get over that fact. So 
I don't think in the NFL, you know, NFL teams kind of hold that rivalry grudge against players and coaches like they maybe do in college. Um, and I, I just think any team would be silly to not explore the opportunity of bringing in Sean Payton just based on what he's done in his resume. And whatever coach they get, quarterback is definitely going to be a priority. What's the best quarterback scenario for them in your view? Is there a college prospect that you've seen that you like or an NFL vet or is it Darnold being a bridge? What scenario do you think would be best for them? You know, I definitely think the conversation of Sam being a bridge is definitely real. I, I think Sam came in at the end here and, and, and played really good ball. I mean, put the team in position to, to have a chance in that Week 17 game against Tampa to have a chance to make the playoffs. And, and, you know, that would have been, you know, people would have thought you were crazy if after week four or five you would have thought that was going to be a situation the Panthers would find themselves in. So having said that, I, I think what we're seeing around the league is that the most consistent way of building your team around your quarterback is through the draft. I mean, if you look at the teams that are in the, in the playoffs right now, I have to go through all of them. I, I can't think of one off the top of my head in the playoffs that wasn't drafted by the team that they're currently playing quarterback of. And there's a lot of reasons for that, right? You, you can build around them. You get the opportunity of playing a quarterback on his first contract from a cost perspective. So there's a lot to that. But I do think at some point the quarterback of the future has to be drafted here. You know, you're, you're in the top ten right now, plus you have a lot of ammunition to potentially trade up if you love – if you love either of the two top guys, Stroud or, or Bryce Young, if you think those are the two guys for your future, make a move and go get them. Um, you know, you, you hope that this is the last time you're drafting this high for a while. That's certainly the, the objective is to not be a top 10 pick year in and you're out. So um, I, I do think at the end of the day, getting a young guy in the draft is the ultimate answer. And, uh, but as we know, that's, that's also a crapshoot. It's Greg Olson, former Panther uh, tight end and uh, current Panther legend, also Fox Sports analyst, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. He's talking about the hardest yard program. For more information, visit receptionsforresearch.org. And Greg, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, you know, the Panthers players clearly want Steve Wilkes. Ultimately, David Tepper gets to do what he wants as the owner. The players have also been pretty vocal about wanting grass at Bank of America Stadium. How much do the players' opinions matter to David Tepper, if not even from just an ethics standpoint, caring about it, even from a cynical angle, because players talk, and if Tepper doesn't carry out the players' very vocal desires, players could talk to other free agents and coaches. How much does it matter listening to what the players want on his own roster? Yeah, I think, you know, I think it's very similar to a coach. I think every, you know, I think that the saying, you know, so to speak, is, you know, all of your voices are heard. Obviously, they're taken into account, but not everyone's opinion is valued the same, right? Not everyone's opinion is always going to be taken into account. Everyone, I think different players earn the right to have different, you know, their opinions and voices heard, you know, and that's the case when guys advocate for who should be the next coach or something, you know, like with the grass situation versus turf. I think, you know, in regards to that, I think, I think Tepper listens. I think I think he does want to have the pulse of the locker room. I do think he wants to have the pulse of, of his veteran players and guys that he's learned to trust and value their opinion. Um, but at the end of the day, his job as the owner, no different than why you know the job of the head coach is to make decisions that they feel is in the best interest of the team. And oftentimes it could align with what the players want, and oftentimes it could conflict with what the players want. And um, – I think you take it on a case-by-case basis. You know, you mentioned the grass thing. I mean, yeah, I mean, 
If I was playing, I would love the old Bank of America grass. I would. I loved. I thought we had the nicest, you know, natural grass field in the entire league. And you go down to Miami, and you go down to Florida, and the grasses are great. But if I'm in Chicago, I don't want to play on grass. If I'm in Pittsburgh, I, I want to play on turf. That you know, that grass sucks. So like, it's. I think everyone gets wrapped up in the moment. Um, I think everyone has their their personal biases to what they want. But like anything, it's case by case basis. Your voice is heard, but that doesn't mean I'm going to do what you want. <laughs> well, and Greg, I mean, when you talk, you were a leader with this team when they decided, David Tepper and the Panthers decided to move on from Ron Rivera. You, you had Perry Fuel for a little while, and then eventually they would continue a coaching search. You know, how much did you, along with some of the other leaders on that roster, did you feel like you guys were heard during that? And, and were you a part of the process at all when, when trying to figure out what those moves could be in the future? Yeah, no, I was not. I was not part of that process. I, you know, it was kind of. I, I was in an interesting time though back then. You know, following that 2019 season, I thought the writing was pretty much on the wall, and it was that. You know, my time here in Carolina was probably up. So, I didn't have much to do with that transition from from Ron to Matt. I was still on the team when Matt got hired, and had some really good conversations with him and, and he would lean on me, you know, in the beginning and ask me questions, just trying to get a pulse and a feel of the, of the team. But I think it was pretty clear to everyone that I was, they were probably going to move on for me. So I was not really involved in that. And fortunately in my entire playing career, I've never been through a coaching change. I, you know, everywhere I've been, I've had really good stability at the head coaching position. You know, we had, we had coordinators to come and go and whatnot, but, I uh, I was fortunate that I never had to go through any real turmoil where the team I had played on changed coaches and um, and obviously I had to be there to transition to the next one. So in that regard, I was fortunate. But that that 2019 transition into 20 was a little unique from my perspective mm-hmm. because even though I'd been here for a long time and they did value my opinion and I you know they did ask me input on different factors over those years. The coaching thing, not really, because I think everyone kind of was under the assumption that I was probably not going to be a part of that change. Greg, from your from your point of view, a lot of players got some newfound playing time under Coach Wilkes, and we saw some of the flips and, and personnel. Who was some of the, or who was the guy that you felt made the most of their uh, newfound playing time under Coach Wilkes? Yeah, I think it's a good question. You know, you know, you'd have to start with with Foreman on, on offense. I think. You know, when when they got rid of Christian, you know, the, you know their best player on the team, it was it was kind of a weird situation, right? They're one and five. They they trade the best player on their team, uh, a guy that they drafted and had some really good years, but you know, never unfortunately for him was never on. Other than his rookie year, when we went to the playoffs. You know, that was really his only playoff experience. We never really could win around Christian, and no matter how hard he tried and how, you know, I think back to that 2019 season, he was unbelievable. I mean, thousand, thousand. So to the thought that by moving Christian and, and obviously now he's done everything everyone imagined in San Francisco, you know, for, for Foreman to come in and that run game and Chuba and then to, to, to finally have that opportunity and, and really carry the team over that winning, you know, that the, the winning streak of what put them in position in the playoffs, you know, sometimes you don't know when your opportunities are going to come. Sometimes you're buried behind really good players and you just don't get your chances. But as those guys proved, you know, once when you get your shot, if you're ready, you can take advantage of it. And those are probably two guys that now their career is forever different. At least they, they're probably going to get a little bit of a longer, you know, kind of a look, uh, whether it's here or, or elsewhere, because of the time and them taking advantage once Christian left. So those are two guys off the top of my head, especially – 
because that run game was really the identity of of the group, um, especially once Steve took over. Well, huge thanks to Greg Olson joining Wesson Walker today discussing the upcoming charity event, the Ungala at Stake 48. It's going to happen on February 27th. Again, a star-studded guest list. It'll look forward to a cocktail reception, three-course meal, plus fine wine, a silent auction. 100% of donations from the event will go to the Hardest Yard Program, H-E-A-R-T, Hardest Yard Program. For more information, visit receptionsforresearch.org. Go there right now. Find out how you can help. Greg, it's incredible work that you and Kara are doing. We really appreciate your time here on WFNZ. I appreciate it. It was good being on with you guys. I appreciate you, and uh, thanks for spreading the word.